1: Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby.
2: Maybe just... Well, this is John Katsimatidis. We are back. And it's uh, Wednesday, the middle of the week. And we got some exciting news for you and uh, what, exciting news and some strange news.
3: Yeah, and, a lot of strange. news. And by the way, first off, before we get into that, um, some really sad news, too, John, about two people we love. Well, you know, a good friend of mine and part of the
2: uh, iconic uh, Fisher family uh, in New York City uh, uh real estate family, uh, Steve Fisher, Steve Fisher, at the young age of 63 years old, uh, died in his sleep. And uh, that was, uh, and I understand the funeral is tomorrow. Then I got a, another call, Rita, from uh, Congressman Gus Belarakis in, in in Florida, that last night his brother, sixty-one years old, died in his sleep. Wow, two young guys. I, I mean, I I don't understand that. And uh, two young guys, uh, sixty-one and sixty-three. Yeah. Uh, Well, we have Doctor Siegel coming on later on. Let's let's talk to him about that. Definitely. uh, In in the studio with us, we have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. How are you, uh,
4: Judge? I'm 39 years of age, so I'm. I'm Well, no,
2: yeah, okay. You're past the uh, the critical age of 61 and 63. Uh, and uh, Vito Facella, the borough president, the great borough president of Staten Island. I understand, Vito, you just got some uh, news from uh, Albany uh,
5: from Albany. Tell us what you hear. Yeah, first off, uh, our our sympathies to the Fisher family. I know Stephen, and I know his son Kyle. So our condolences to the Fisher family. But isn't
2: it strange? 61 and yeah, 63 and both died in
5: their sleep. Yeah, it is, is something, and uh, you know who knows what it's attributed to, and. Uh, but God willing, it's it's the trend stops or slows down. And with Bill Aracas, you know, I serve with Gus and and yeah, Michael. and Michael, his father. Yeah. And yeah, I know you're very close. So our prayers go out to their families. Um, but with respect to Albany, you know, finally, uh about here we are a month later, give or take a little over a month, and latest budget in, in a long time. And I don't know. Really, New York is going to be satisfied. Bottom line, I think. The answer is not really. Um, Some of the issues that you've been championing here along with the judge and reading. Safety in our streets. Safety, mm, (laughs) not far enough. Uh, The major issues were not touched or addressed or fixed. So, therefore, the status quo. If the status quo is acceptable, then good luck. But I don't think we believe in the status quo, and we don't think it's good. They didn't touch the stuff they needed to touch. Mm -hmm. touch That means, uh, where's that Exodus music? Yeah. You know?
2: Sad. How sad. Sad. I mean, the exodus is going to, if you're not going to make New York City, New York State safe, the exodus will continue. That's exactly right. It's so gratuitous, some of these little things. There's some other, I understand, Narita, there's some other hot news going on in in Washington.
1: Yep, we got some big breaking news. News, WABC.
3: Yeah, huge news uh, just coming out just a little bit ago uh, that the Oversight Committee in Washington has issued a subpoena to the FBI saying that a whistleblower basically told them about a criminal scheme potentially involving then-Vice President Joe Biden and a foreign national tied to an exchange of money to policy decisions. This could be enormous. Uh, and joining us now here on Cats & Cosby is the great former White House Press Secretary, Ari Fleischer. Uh, Ari, really great to have you here. we got to get your reaction. This could open the floodgates. What are your thoughts?
6: Well, there's always been smoke, hasn't there? I mean, Joe Biden has lied repeatedly, saying he'd never known about any of his son's business deals, despite the contradictions from emails, from texts that we have seen now. And this adds a human element to it. So this is perilous for the Biden administration. But I also want to caution how many times that we heard things before of this nature. Let's wait and see what they've got.
3: Yeah. And do you think the media is going to cover this? I mean, that's the other big thing. Of course, a lot of number of folks are with this new detail, but they seem to have turned a blind eye on everything with Hunter Biden. But could they escape it if they have what looks like maybe a credible whistleblower here? And if there's some documents, if there's actually something in writing, this could maybe turn the page.
6: Or if the FBI confirms it one way or another, or if the FBI says this is part of a criminal investigation, therefore we will not honor your subpoena. That would indicate the FBI is onto this. So to answer your question, will the mainstream media cover it? They'll first cover it by saying Republicans seize on it, and then they'll raise all kinds of questions about Republicans going too far and being inaccurate. But we all know who was the most accurate, the New York Post. And the rest of the media either suppressed it or pretended it didn't happen. So we'll be a split country once again, I'm afraid. Conservatives will lead the way in covering this. And if it is more than smoke, then once again, conservative media has it right and the mainstream has it wrong.
3: You know, the other thing that just came out, too, a little bit ago, it looks like they are close to, quote, charging uh, Hunter Biden. There is word that's just coming out in the last hour or two on that. Again, just a report at this point, but that could also turn the dial.
6: Yeah, and what sparked this was the fact that Hunter's lawyers met with the former, with the U.S. attorney in Delaware, who was appointed by Donald Trump, kept on by the Biden administration. That is always the last step in one of these investigations, and we'll find out. Now, here's the, 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 what my caution to Republicans on this. The charges against Hunter Biden, Republicans should not act with glee if charges are filed against him. This is the son of a president. What Republicans have got to keep their eyes on is the president's corruption, the president's behavior. Is there anything about what Hunter gets indicted for, if he does, involving tax evasion that is linked to his father or his father's lies and denials about knowing of his son's business deals? That's the nexus. If there's no connection to the president, Republicans should not take joy in the fact that a president's child has gotten indicted. If there is a connection to Joe Biden, then Republicans need to put their foot on the gas pedal and make the case.
4: Ari, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. I think you're exactly correct in in your analysis from a political and public relations perspective. I would also suggest to you, as part of the plea bargaining process, a lot of times they underplay it, so you plead to the least problematic charge just to get it over with. And if you want to shut down an investigation linking the president, to his son or the son to the president, the way you do it is you get him to plead out to something lesser that doesn't have the dots connected.
6: Yeah, that's right. And we, we, how many times have we seen this before where in, in New York, at least, felonies become misdemeanors if you're a violent criminal. But if you're Donald Trump, a misdemeanor becomes a felony. In the case of Hunter Biden, are they going to treat the tax evasion issues as misdemeanors or felonies? and the lying on a form to acquire a gun, will that be a felony or a misdemeanor? It's supposed to be a felony.
2: Harry Fleischer, uh, John Casamantidis, what bothers you or what the current happenings are in Washington right now?
6: Well, what bothers me the most is the incompetence of the president. I mean, our nation is in a perilous position where the president who can't even remember what country he went to last, and a little child has to tell him. A president who says that nobody ever told him that there was an option, we should leave more troops in Afghanistan, only to be contradicted by his military saying that they repeatedly briefed the president about that option. He doesn't remember that. And then he bungles a withdrawal. What else does he not remember that he was briefed on or told? What do foreign leaders think? So this, this, the president's competence and judgment is what bothers me the most. It's the president's behavior and abilities. This is frightening. And Kamala Harris is our vice president. So I sure hope Republicans take advantage of this unbelievable window to defeat an incredibly weak incumbent president in, in a little about 18 months.
5: Uh, uh, Borough <laughs> President uh, Vito Facella, Hey, yeah, R.A. It's Vito um, Just a question about the national, uh, the, the debt ceiling uh, debate that's going on in D.C. Uh, Speaker McCarthy came forward and passed a very reasonable uh, bill in the House uh, where does it go from here?
6: You know, I hate this. It's such a game in Washington. They, they pretend there's a debt limit. There is no limit on our nation's debt the way they behave. They raise the debt limit because you always must cut, raise the debt limit, and then they don't cut spending. So praise to the House for the first time for recognizing we're not just going to raise it unless you cut spending. You know, if you keep hitting your limit on your credit card, you can't go to the credit card company and say, just raise it, just raise it. They say to you, stop spending. And the House is the first one to go and say, stop spending. But again, where's Joe Biden? He won't even talk. He won't negotiate. Um, so I don't know how this is going to come out. Of course, we'll raise the debt limit to avoid default. Um, at least I think we will. But if we don't stop future spending, this is all just a game. So I hope the House can prevail. Well,
2: are you, anything else you want to tell the American people?
6: <laughs> yes, that everything will still be okay. I mean the, amazing thing the sun about to shine
4: America, tomorrow. Yeah.
6: We are uh, we are such a strong country and our people fix problems
5: well, even we, if the government won't. <laughs>
2: you're right. I mean and then we're going to talk about uh later on that they want to raise the interest rates another quarter point which I think is going to hurt the country even more. But uh we're a strong resilient country and I guess we
3: could survive another 18 months of uh, President Biden. All right. Well, Ari the Fleischer. People always get it right in the end. Thank you. Ari Fleischer, we love having you here on the show. Thank you so much for being with us. It's great to have you here. The former great White House Press Secretary, Ari Fleischer. Thank you. Thank you. Well, right now, let's go. We're, we're, uh, uh, We've got Senator I Rick and
2: uh, uh, Tim Scott is on the phone.
3: And joining us now here on and Cosby is Senator Tim Scott of the great state of South Carolina. And, Senator, we're so thrilled to have you with us.
7: Thank you, Rita. I can't think of a better place to be than with you all right this very second. Thank you all for having me.
3: Well, we are thrilled. You know, I want to ask you about the big news, of course. It just came out a little bit ago uh, that Comer, of course, the congressman, and also Senator Chuck Grassley together, uh, essentially now are trying to get information after a report of a criminal scheme involving then-Vice President Biden and a foreign national in exchange of money for policy decisions and also reports that prosecutors are zeroing in on Hunter Biden, and we may hear soon about potential charges against the First Son. What's your reaction?
7: Well, Rita, this is very concerning information that's developing real-time. Without any question, the public's had many, many unanswered questions about President Biden's son. No doubt we're getting closer to the truth. And I am hopeful, frankly, even praying that the Department of Justice has the objectivity necessary to follow the evidence where it leads. That is the number one thing we can do. Number two, uh, following Chuck Grassley's lead as this whistleblower uh, is gaining more. We're getting more clarity on what potentially explosive information could be there for the taking. I can't wait to see what Senator Grassley is able to uh, accomplish and uncover. The American people need to have their confidence and their faith restored in the institutions of power and the truth will set you free.
2: Santa Scott, John Katzman, Here, there's so many problems in our country. Uh, when you can't sleep at three o'clock in the morning, wh- which one do you consider the most—the uh, uh, the one that uh, that would hurt our country the most?
7: You know, John, thank you for uh, a allowing me to just spend time with you as well. You've been such a, a tremendous thinker for our nation and for the party. I would simply say that one of the things that keeps me up at night. <laughs> is the fact that Joe Biden and the radical left do not take the China threat seriously. Eighty-five percent of the American people have concluded with President Biden and the liberals have not, that China is an adversary. They've held a sign in our face telling us that they are in the midst of a Cold War, and we are investing more of our resources. They're stealing more of our IP. They are surveilling more of our kids, it is time for us to shut it down and uncouple or decouple the economies to the extent possible. The other thing, John, that that keeps me up at night, is harder to put your finger on, but I would just simply say the absence of truth in Biden's utopia. It doesn't exist, but truth does. And every single time we see Them saying that we live in an evil country, it's an attack on truth. When they indoctrinate our kids, it's an attack on truth. When they tell us our border is secure, safe, it's an attack on truth. When they say your experience is your truth and my experience is my truth, it's an attack on objective truth. That weighs heavily on my soul.
3: And uh, Senator Tim Scott, as you know, I'm a Gamecock. I graduated from University of South Carolina. You're, of course, uh, the yes. great senator there. Um, you are going to be making a big announcement on May 22nd. That is right around the corner. You've launched an exploratory committee, it looks like. Uh, it, it sounds like it is the announcement for the presidential campaign. Why do you think you're the man to meet the moment? And I love that you're doing it in North Charleston, where you were born.
7: Thank you, Rita, so much. I will say that I believe America can do for anyone what she has done for me. We have to restore hope, create opportunities, and protect the America we love. Joe Biden and the radical left, they continue to zero in on our kids, literally calling our parents to show up at school board meetings, domestic terrorists. We need every parent to be armed with a choice. So every child has a chance. We cannot afford 16% inflation. When you add the two years of Joe Biden being in the office, we can't afford any more of that kind of activity. When you print and spend trillions of dollars, it leaves your spending power down. So for moms like mine who are senior citizens on fixed incomes, they can't afford $400 a month of lost spending power. I've lived on both sides of the proverbial track. It's time for us to have faith in America, faith in each other, and that starts 522, May 22nd, 11 a.m. It's time for us to talk about why American exceptionalism is still the truth of our existence and what we can do to have another American century.
3: You know, what the heck is going on, Senator Tim Scott, with the border? We know tomorrow Secretary Mayorkas is going to the border. He's sending 1,500 troops, basically clerical work. Uh, What are your thoughts? I know that you're also pushing for a bill. I love this. Basically to go after the finances of the cartels who are peddling fentanyl. Tell us about what you think needs to be done immediately. It's outrageous.
7: We know the border is insecure, unsafe, and wide open It has contributed to the death of 70,000 Americans because of fentanyl being trafficked by the Mexican cartels right across our southern border. We can put that to the stop. We put that to stop by simply targeting the financial assets of the Mexican cartels, freezing their assets. By doing so, we literally cut off the blood source, so to speak, of the mexican cartels figuratively speaking number one number two i have additional legislation that would put five billion dollars of new technology on our border so that we can detect fentanyl as it's being trafficked across our southern border if we did those two things we could save tens of thousands of american lives
2: so many uh... American people are dying over a twelve-month period. Over a hundred thousand on that fentanyl. There's something wrong, and somebody has to take action. I mean, we not We didn't lose. We only lost. We lost fifty thousand in Vietnam. Fifty thousand in in uh, 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 Korea. Fifty-four thousand, seven thousand in Afghanistan. Now, a hundred thousand Americans have died the last twelve months, and, and, and Unbelievable.
7: that's worse than a war. We are talking about American lives. We're talking about conflicts that and nobody and nobody's doing anything
3: about it. Yeah, and they're sending uh, clerks basically down there. They're not sending our troops to secure the border. Crazy.
7: That's why it's time for new leadership in this country. It's time for a change. We are going to present solutions that we can act on day one. We should put eighty seven thousand new border patrol agents and or give them the pay incentives and increases give them the training and the resources give them the help they need to secure our border and then my bill also as i said earlier adds another 10 billion dollars to continue putting a physical impediment called a wall Yep. On our southern border.
3: We need all of that. Wow. Well, Senator Tim Scott, we are so happy to have you here. Uh we'll be watching uh May twenty second when you make your announcement. Running for president. I know you're going to uh Iowa and New Hampshire also in the coming days. You gotta come back on again soon here on Cats and Cosby. Great to have you here. Thanks for all you're doing.
2: Thank you, Senator.
3: What a well, mess the border is on. Wow. <laughs> uh, well we're back and uh right now I think we're due for a
2: break. Let's take the break, a quick break. And then we're going to go to Ryan Payne to find out why the heck is the Fed raising the rates again?
1: A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC.
2: Well, we're back. And the economy, where the heck are we going? Uh We have with us Ryan Payne, Payne Capital Management. Uh, Ryan, uh, give us your opinion on... Uh, where, where the heck we're going? I mean, uh, my opinion, you know where I'm at, uh, is it, it was the wrong time to continue to raise the Fed rate.
0: Uh, yeah, I think it's kind of mind-blowing that the Fed would raise interest rates another 25 basis points after we just had four bank failures. <laughs> it's, uh, it seems really counterintuitive. Um, and, you know, it, it, like why do another quarter percent? Why not pause and see what damage the Fed's already done with nine interest rate hikes before that. So, you know, the problem with that too, John, is now interest rates keep going up. See,
2: no, the Fed doesn't realize they're the ones that created the problem with the banks. <laughs> they they, they yeah, raised, the, they went you know, from zero to five and a quarter percent of rates in, in less than 12 months, in 12
0: months. Well, that's exactly right. And what happens is, is depositors are getting no return on their money, you're going to keep moving their money. And that's the problem that this intermediation uh, they're causing it. And they're actually compounding the problem by raising interest rates even more on the short end of the curve. So it's a big problem. And it's a point now where they need to pause and they clearly didn't do that today.
2: Where do we go from here?
0: Um, I think they will pause after this. I think the language of the fed has changed. And I think the bottom line is, look, you know, we're probably not going into recession. I said this last year. No one believed me. Uh, if you listen to the strategists on Wall Street last year, we'd be in a recession right now. But the labor market's still strong. Um, if you look at inflation, it's still coming down. I don't know about food inflation. You can tell me about that. But if you look at overall inflation, it has been coming down. And if you look at real wages over inflation, it's starting to go up. So I think the economy is in pretty good shape. The only thing that can screw this up is the Fed, and they're doing a really good job uh, trying to screw it up, as we've seen with the banking system. Over yes, the course last they, couple of years. they
2: are. Now, uh, supposedly, now oil all of a sudden went down to $68 a barrel today. It was 68 And did, did Saudi Arabia ever cut those
0: uh, barrels? Uh, I believe they haven't done it yet. So if you already have oil plummeting, and which you call it, John, by the way, you said that oil would come down at some point, and it is, which is a huge tax break for the global economy, by the way. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what OPEC's going to do from here. Are they going to cut even more down the line here? But they clearly can't keep the price all, all up like they've been trying to do. I mean, oil was over 80 two weeks ago. So it's been a pretty wild ride. Well, it, the,
2: the oil went price. over 80 in anticipation of, of uh, Saudi Arabia and those other nations cutting uh, all that oil. And I guess yeah, they didn't they cut it. Yet. Yeah. And we're dropping so again. I,
0: Which says, to me, maybe the economy is slowing down more uh, so than we'd like to think. And maybe that's another reason why the Fed should have stopped raising interest rates today. Uh,
5: Vito Fasella, you wanted to say something? Yeah, just uh, how, you know, around here the housing market has taken sort of a standstill. I'm curious as to what you're seeing throughout the country with rates rising and its impact on the housing market.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I think the one thing housing has going in its favor is demographics, right? I mean, we have undersupplied market now for like a decade, and millennials want homes. So, you know, we've come down from peak interest rates. You know, we're over 7% on a, on a 30-year mortgage. That's come down. So I think you've seen a lot of stabilization there. Um, if you look at the 10-year treasury, it's at like 3.5% right now. So I'm actually optimistic on the housing market just because there's so much demand from a demographic perspective. And we just don't have enough supply of houses. So if the Fed can back off and interest rates can keep coming down here a little bit, I think that's going to be very, very good for the housing market, which is good for the the overall economy.
4: Ryan, it's Richard Weinberg. And what about consumer confidence? What are the the polls showing us there?
0: I mean, consumer confidence, the polls haven't been great. But if you look at uh, GDP for the first quarter, consumer spending was up big, like 3.7%. So everyone keeps calling for the death of consumer, um, and it's just not happening. And again, as long as people's wages are going up and the labor market's strong and we think inflation is going to continue to come down, which I think it is, I, I really don't think consumer spending is going to fall off a cliff. I mean, you just have to walk outside. You don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. Um, you know, you go travel, you go anywhere. People are out, they're in restaurants, they're spending money. And I don't think that's going to get derailed this year, like a lot of economists have been saying. It's hard being right over here, Richard, but I have been the whole time.
3: <laughs> yeah. And uh, real quick, uh, Ryan, I want to ask you too. Um, debt limit. It, did you see this, that um, uh, Janet Yellen, of course, basically said we could run out of cash. This is making huge headlines June 1st. Where do you see all of this going and, and how concerned should people be out there when they hear that from our Treasury secretary?
0: I mean, sadly, it's political theater. Right. I mean, I wish they would actually use a debt ceiling and actually be a ceiling, but they just keep raising it, and raising it. And I think the market's telling you that's the case as well where the market will be falling off a cliff here. So sadly, they are going to raise it. And the government's going to spend more money, which means more debt, which means that's a big problem for the U.S. economy long term. So uh, unfortunately, I think they are going to raise that debt ceiling. uh, And I wish it would come to a head, but I think that's going to happen.
2: Well, we got a minute left. Anything else you want to say to the uh, American people?
0: Um, I want to say, yeah, I think, look, like optimism over a pessimism here. I think the pessimists have been wrong all the way through here, um, and I think that's going to continue throughout the year here. So hopefully the Fed will smarten up, John. They'll listen to your radio show. They'll listen to you and me talk, and they'll stop raising interest rates. But I think the bottom line is inflation's coming down. Like we just said, I think the consumer is going to continue to spend because I think the labor market is going to stay strong and productivity is going to go up because people are going back to the office. Be bullish on America.
8: Well, Absolutely, thank
2: you so yeah. much, and uh, keep uh, fighting for America. And thank you, and we'll catch up again with real soon. And you're going to be on Saturday, every Saturday with Steve Moore between one o'clock and two o'clock, and with more money and and you'll give a further
3: analysis of what's going on with the markets.
0: Be there, be square, John. Thank you (laughs) very so much.
3: And uh, John, big news by the way. They're talking about a potential assassination attempt against Vladimir Putin—a drone strike. Uh, We're going to talk about that. Yes, we got the general from the Air Force. He's coming up right after the break. Everybody, stay with us on Cats and Cosby.
1: and Cosby. Now here's John and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC.
3: And we are back now, John. This is huge news. Everybody talking about it. Was there an assassination attempt against Vladimir Putin? The Russians are saying, "Yeah," and they're claiming the Ukrainians did it. The Ukrainians are saying, "We didn't do it." Uh, he's still alive. And he wasn't uh, even in the building, but they're putting lots of video out there and joining us, John, to talk about this is General John Teichert. Uh He is a recently retired U.S. Air Force brigadier general and a national security expert, also a retired assistant deputy undersecretary of the Air Force. Uh, general, what do you think of
9: this? Rita, hey, it's great to be uh, with you guys today. I think it's highly unlikely that Ukraine was involved for three primary reasons. Number one, it just invites severe reprisal from Russia. It's already been a bloody week in Ukraine. I don't think they would do it to bring that upon themselves. Number two, I think it distracts the Ukrainians from their rightful focus on a counteroffensive within Ukraine, focusing on attacks on supply lines or logistics depots or troop concentrations would be a far better use of the Ukrainians' time and assets right now. And then finally... I don't think they would do something as provocative as this, knowing based on any possible intel that Putin wasn't even there in the residence. So I don't think it's any of them. I think it's more likely a false flag by Russia. Exactly. A setup, right? A setup.
3: You know, my first thought was, and John, you and I talked about this. An excuse to uh, hit back the Ukraine.
9: Well, so it's been, like I said, a bloody week already in Ukraine. And I think this just gives Putin more top cover for his ruthless activities, his war criminal activities there in Ukraine. And I also think it probably sets up a bit of a patriotic fervor within Russia for the ceremonies that will go on in the next few days to celebrate the end of World War II.
2: Well, where do we go from here, General? I mean, uh, your thoughts. I mean, Russia's not going to pull out of Ukraine. Nobody's going to force Russia to pull out of Ukraine.
9: Um, Who's suffering more? So right now, first of all, I think it's... The statements coming out of the Kremlin today talk with moral outrage about a terrorist attack on Moscow when it's been the Russians and Vladimir Putin terrorizing Ukraine for the last 14 months. But I think the way we. Support so we're losing. A more we're losing
3: you a little bit, General, on, on your phone there.
9: Support the Ukrainians more and more as we seek to see them succeed in a counteroffensive against Russia.
3: What about also Taiwan, too? I want to get your thoughts on where do you think things are headed with
9: all that? So it is vitally important for the United States and our allies and partners to play into the minds of the Chinese to help them to understand how unlikely it is that Russia, sorry, that China would succeed in a successful attack against Taiwan. It's a hundred mile distance. It's an untested military in China And it is extremely unlikely, according to several recent studies, that China would succeed. But most importantly, we need to help China believe that they cannot succeed by doing everything we can to strengthen Taiwan so that it's just not worth it for for China to make that move. All
3: right. Uh, Vito, you have a quick question for the general.
5: I'd just like to go back to to Russia, Ukraine, and uh, assuming it's a false flag from um, Putin and the Kremlin – how long does this last? Is it another six months, another three years? You know, who draws the line in, who, who draws the line in the sand?
9: Well ultimately it's up to the two warring parties, Ukraine and Russia, to make the decision about when they've had enough. And I firmly believe that it is in our national best interest to make sure that Russia and China who's watching do not believe that aggression can go unpunished and that world order that is appalled by the activities of russia today and would be so against china if they made a move against taiwan all
3: right well general thank you very very much it's great to have you here uh general john Tykart, again uh, recently retired u.s air force brigadier general thank you on this big news uh, and we'll see what happens of course especially with russia ukraine really scary stuff and uh john i understand we have now dr mark siegel who's here on the line Yes, and there's so many
2: things happening. Uh, Dr. Mark Siegel, uh, uh, tell us, there's so many reports going on. Uh, oh, the Surgeon General first said that loneliness is going to kill us. And
10: well, uh, I, I actually interviewed him about this uh, on Monday morning. And uh, the Surgeon General, v- Vivek Murth- Murthy, has written about loneliness for years. He did a book on loneliness in 2020 at the beginning, before the pandemic really hit. And he is known for this, and they studied it, and they found that loneliness and social isolation correlates with stroke, heart attack, actually even dementia. Because if you're in the process of getting demented and you interact more with people, we won't we won't mention any names here, but if you interact more with people, you are less likely to to have that happen, and the increase of death if you're isolated. So people help each other, and th- there's a kindness involved that we've we've lost, and one of the things that Murthy said to me or agreed with me on is that kindness has gone out of this society. It certainly hasn't go, gone out of John Cassimatides and company, but it has gone out of our society. All this politicization, all this anger, and, and ac- accus- accusatory dialogue has hurt us, and then social media has made this a lot worse. It was intended, according to Mur as an information tool, but it's ended up being a division of divisiveness. Now, I don't know how the government is going to fix this, but I, I, in fact, they helped cause the problem during the pandemic by shutting everything down and causing more isolation. But I'm glad he's pointing pointing at it because it's an extremely important problem. By the way, in the U.K., they have a loneliness czar. They have in the health department someone in charge of loneliness. It's, a, it's an actual A loneliness
3: problem. czar? Are you lonesome tonight? That's a lonely position.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I I was always a big fan of Elvis Presley. I just want the record to be clear. Are you (laughs) lonesome tonight? Me too.
3: Me too. Well, that's why I love hanging out with you guys. I don't want to be lonely. Dr. Siegel,
2: in the last 24 hours, I lost two good friends. One was 61 years old. One was 63 years old. And both died in their sleep. Is this a coincidence or is there something going on?
10: Well, that's a coincidence, but it points out something. Sleep apnea, I'm not saying they had this, is largely undiagnosed. And sleep is a time of restore, restoration, but we need to understand who's snoring, who isn't, you know, who's got medical problems that, they're, that are not controlled. And we do lose people for sudden heart attacks. So it's not something going around, but, but it can happen. And it, it, it's a reminder that you've got to be checked.
2: Now the other big story, I think I by, sent. By you the three. way, I, yes.
10: I want to interrupt and say, uh, you know, we we also lost uh, Gordon Lightfoot this week, who, who was it, it, Elvis Presley did not write his own music, which is which was a stunner to me when I heard it. But Gordon Lightfoot was a great songwriter. Great. How old was he? He eighty four. Yeah, was, By the way, you were, 84, 84. you were like a um, That's musical a his than 61, historian. And 63. That's the difference.
3: Uh, by the way, I'm impressed that Dr. Siegel is such a musical historian. This he is great. Reason. I love this. I love this. Well,
10: you don't hear me with Sid in the mornings. I mean, I, I'm, I pull everything out of my bag of tricks. I go competing <laughs> with Sid Rosenberg on sports memorabilia infor- infor- here, memorabilia. So Wow, he's a renaissance
3: man, a renaissance uh, man. Uh, doctor, uh, I think
2: I sent you a copy of this. There's a toxic chemical in many of our foods. It's been banned in Europe, and it's still in our food in America What's it called titanium dioxide it's right. a white titanium powder di- that makes food whiter
10: exactly what it's used for and it's it's a problem uh, it's been it's been shown to be associated with respiratory cancers in rats uh, it's been a sh- it, it's been shown in mice to disrupt the GI tract. We don't know to, to what end. It's in candy. It's in gum. It's in baked goods. It's in dairy products in the United States, as you said, as a whitening agent in yogurt. I don't know about you, but I don't care if my yogurt is white. I, I like it a little off color. When I see you white know, you yogurt, know what I, I think it's got no flavor. Me
2: and you have had dinner, and we've discussed it over dinner with Dr. Peter Michalos together, the three of us, and you know what we have to eat? You have to eat whatever is natural. Forget about all these chemicals added to our foods.
10: Well, Mikolos knows that better than me, even. And the two of you together are two Greek powerhouses. And I I was even invited down to that Staten Island baseball game the other night. But then you showed me a video of no one in the stands because it was pouring rain. Oh, my God. The weather
2: was horrible. The weather was horrible. It kept raining. Vito. You didn't, you, you didn't
5: get the sun out. I know. Well, from this point Vito forward. He was our this, borough president of the great uh, borough of Staten <laughs> Island. We we have a uh, assurance and a compact that it will, the sun will shine between now and October 1st. So we're all good.
10: I mean, listen, well, That's a beautiful stadium, and you have a very famous business person going, and and radio, and owner of a radio station, and, and Rastidis going down there, and you, and you couldn't have given us some sunshine. I know, I know. I apologize. I'll, <laughs> be, I'll be paying
5: this price for a long, <laughs> long, All right. this yeah, long, 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 long time. Yeah, you missed the Greek
3: parade. That was like a tsunami. <laughs> oh, that by was the way. a tsunami coming down. That was, that was the... a trickle at the ball game. <laughs> me and Rita uh, and
2: and Margo and Chad. And, yep, yep. Uh, we were right on the float with the rain coming down on
3: us. Yeah, I said. I said, what is up with the Greeks? It's like Noah's Ark, you know? I mean, you guys are diehards.
10: That's okay. It's going to all come around. And this summer, when we have our breakfast out in in Southampton, it's going to be all sunshine.
2: All right. Well, Dr. Mark Siegel, thank you for uh, uh, keeping us informed. And we'll catch up with you again real soon.
10: Thanks for having me. Thank really you. appreciate it. Thanks. Let's, let's
2: take a break. And yeah. Then,
3: who are we coming back with? We have Nigel Farage, of course, the, the father way from of Brexit. England? Is that a long distance call? It's a long distance call. He's not calling Collect. Oh, and yeah. also, by the way, he's got a big interview with President Trump. He's going to give us the exclusive details. I understand.
2: President Trump is in Europe playing golf.
3: Ah, so we'll find out. Not at so we'll
2: the coronation. We'll find out the secrets, what's going on. I can't wait. Let's take that break first.
1: It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well,
3: we're back. Yes, we are. And any minute, we're going to be talking to Nigel Farage about his big exclusive interview with President Trump. That'll be interesting, John. Never dull. Never dull. Never dull. <laughs> you know, um, by the way, they're talking about potentially uh, now maybe charges. You and I talked about this yesterday, guys. Charges against whom? This is against the subway guy. Remember, it's the Marine, the former Marine. I we we're going to make him a hero. Exactly. And I thought he, he, I still think he is a hero. I hope he's not a Jose Alba case. Remember the bodega guy who was offending himself. And um, Judge, we were just talking about this. This is the guy. This is the 24-year-old Marine. There was a guy who was on the subway and raising havoc. He took him down in a chokehold and got him. And we're going to talk about that. Um. Real quick, judge. Real quick. I think you did the right thing. What are you supposed to do? Allow this person to take everybody keep, else down keep, on subway? Yeah,
2: keep beating up everybody That's else right. in the subway? Yeah, You absolutely. Can't allow that to
4: happen. Well, do they have subways in uh, in uh, London? Yes, they do. The underground. Well, the underground.
3: And I understand we do have Nigel Farage now joining us here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, Nigel, of course, everybody knows him as the father of Brexit. And I want to uh, know if Nigel is going to the uh, uh, coronation. The
2: coronation.
3: Uh, actually, let us know. Nigel, are you going to the big event, which is this Saturday?
8: I'm covering the big event. I'm going to be on air from 9.30 a.m. UK time until 4.30 p.m. I'm covering the whole thing as a presenter, so I can't sit in the congregation. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's the first coronation for almost exactly 70 years, so it's a really big deal.
3: You know, is President Trump um, going at all? or He knew the Queen Mum.
8: Well, absolutely, he absolutely did, and and I mean Donald Trump's reverence for Queen Elizabeth II, our beloved Queen, who died on September eighth last year, it, it, it is remarkable to the level of respect that he had for that amazing woman. No, I mean I asked him tonight when I was with him, you know, you know, would you if you were president, would you have gone to the coronation? Absolutely, yes, and he, he felt very strongly given that over 100 heads of state from around the world are going, that it's actually quite an insult to your oldest and strongest ally that Joe Biden will spend the coronation in a bunker in Delaware. uh, And he felt very, very strongly about that.
3: It is surprising, by the way, Nigel, that Biden isn't going. Um, It is a huge deal, as you just talked about. I mean, everyone's been talking about this moment, this transition of power um, and what do other people there in Britain think, too? I mean, are they surprised? Is it a slap in the face? Uh, maybe he's too busy, I guess, uh, having chocolate ice cream or vanilla ice cream.
8: Well, he's too busy doing that, or, or, or frankly, being asleep, I suppose. But uh, whichever one it is, I mean, look, you know, we've been asking some big questions about Joe Biden ever since the catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan. I mean, since 1917. Our countries have worked together, debated issues on every major military conflict in the world. And goodness me, there are so many British men and American men that have fought and died together in the cause of freedom. And when Biden just withdrew from Afghanistan without even telling us, uh, we couldn't believe what was going on. So, I, you know, there's that. I also think we've now reached a level where we on this side of the pond View the American president frankly as being a complete and utter joke. You know, a guy that confuses the all blacks rugby team with the black and tan British Army force, a guy that shakes hand with people in midair that don't even exist. I mean, you know, we ask ourselves, if we if we're supposed to look up to America as the leader of the free world, which we do by the way, and quite right that we should, you are the biggest and dominant power in the West. You know, if you've got a guy running this thing who, frankly, hasn't still got his mental faculties, you know, what does that mean for America? And perhaps even more broadly, what does that mean for the free world? I mean, you know, let's be honest about it, folks. This isn't pretty.
3: And Vito Fasella, Staten Island Borough President. (laughs) Well, I I think it boils down to loyalty,
5: right? Uh, Loyalty and tradition. The United States and Great Britain have a tremendous relationship. And when you fail to obey that loyalty and tradition, what happens in a relationship? It begins to dissolve a little bit, and then the and that's the last thing we need in a troubled world. Do you agree with that?
8: Well, I mean, it's more than a troubled world. You know, we haven't just got the rise of China as a military power with this incredible naval buildup they've been going through. You've even got China now out there on diplomatic maneuvers on an incredible scale. I mean, they managed to get the Saudis and the Iranians together in a room. They're building up the alliance. They're building up the BRICS. They've got the new Brazilian president on side. They've got the South Africans on side. Russia, China are all linking up together now with Middle East nations, South American nations, and even tempting India into the fold. And so we begin to find ourselves as a Western alliance led by America. We're now looking to be in quite a serious minority. And I I have to say, I worry that the world is in the most perilous place it's been for 80 years.
3: Wow! Now you you just wrapped up as you mentioned a big interview with President Trump. It's going to be airing there on uh, GB News. Nigel Farage. What were some of the other big highlights? Uh, the big surprises he said.
8: I, I mean, there were a couple of things that came out of it. I, number one, you know, we've just had Joe Biden three weeks ago in Ireland, you know, telling the world how Irish he is because his great great grandparents left Ireland in 1840. Trump's mother was Mary McLeod from the Western Isles of Scotland. And this is something, I mean, clearly, Trump's mother was a very major influence on him, clearly a very, very strong lady. Um, So Trump is half Scottish, and he's got these investments in Scotland, these amazing golf courses. This one I'm at, Turnberry, a British Open Championship golf course. He and his son, Eric, have now turned this into the best hotel in Scotland. The single best golf course in the whole of britain and europe and an amazing place and he do you know what he as soon as he arrived here yesterday he was on the golf course first thing this morning he was back out on the golf course this is a man that loves his golf this is a man that loves scotland uh, he, he really feels strongly about that 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 mother's side of his own inheritance um and, and i was sort of musing with him well if you run for president again you might not be back in Turnbury for five years. Um, and it shows you, doesn't it? But here's a bloke. He's 76, right? He's worth billions. He's got a beautiful wife. He's got great kids. He's got these amazing golf courses around the world. And yet he's giving it all up to run for president again. So we went through that stuff. We obviously also talked about the coronation. Um, he said he was very surprised that uh, King Charles had even invited Harry the wedding after the disgusting comments in that book spare about Camilla, who, of course, is going to be crowned our queen uh, alongside the king on Saturday. Um, And we talked a lot about the legal cases in America. You know, the fact that he was sitting there in New York, indicted in that courtroom, all the other accusations that are being made against him. And I, I just said to him again, I said, look, if you didn't run, These cases would all drop. What I got was the impression of somebody who is, by his standards, quietly determined. He he wasn't being loud about it. He wasn't being brash about it. But I was left in no doubt that he intends to win back the presidency. He intends to be 47 in November 2024. And, you know, what can you say? Whether you like him or don't like him, whether you agree with him, or disagree with him i mean have you ever met any of you a more resilient human being than donald trump
3: john katsimatidis but but uh <laughs> <laughs> he was a fighter in every shape <laughs> and form <laughs> nigel, sitting right next to me so <laughs> nigel judge richard warmberg
4: good to talk to you again let me ask you how do the english people feel about uh, donald trump
8: we've had unending negative pub- publicity about donald trump um, and much of this is because the British Conservative Party isn't conservative. So it gets embarrassed about things that he says. I have been his biggest single champion on this side of the pond over the course of the last seven or eight years. I've never wavered in my belief that even if you disagree with some of the small comments he makes on the big stuff, he gets it right. But I think there's a growing number of people now recognizing that on many of the big issues that face the world, like the rise of, of china like the almost insane indoctrination of our young kids about trans issues a growing number of people recognizing that donald trump back in the white house as number 47 actually will make the world a safer place
2: nigel thank you so much for coming on and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon i look i still owe you dinner uh, or lunch when you come to the east states
8: john I haven't forgotten, I'm going to claim it the next time, I'm, a ma- I'm in Manhattan I promise you.
2: I look forward
3: <laughs> Thank and you Nigel and Wow, wow, and, uh, wow, wow and, uh, guys, By the way, you, should, you mean, should have gone for fish and chips
2: oh You know, God. that could be pretty good on the other end Vito, <laughs> The budget in Albany, I'm worried about keeping our citizens safe Where's that Exodus music? You know, I mean
5: uh, Get the Exodus music
2: And, and you, you know what it comes also? John there of the is. New Yorkers, New Yorkers, they're marching all the way down to Florida. Oh, no. You know and what they're doing? taking their money with them. And they're it's running taking away their money with them. from so the average salary The average salary of the New Yorker, the 484,000 New Yorkers that left, was like $168,000. Who's, who's going to pay this budget that That's they're right. passing? Do What's
4: it you, being replaced nobody. by, John.
2: I, well, people were paid. <laughs>
4: well,
5: right. now we have this situation. One thing that came out of the budget that sort of reflects what's problem is Albany had to pay about a billion bucks to New York City to help with the migrant crisis. And the federal government has come up with absolutely or close Not- to zero. zero.
3: And it is costing New
5: well,
2: York $5 a day. What did, what did, say, what did, what did uh, Ford say to New York? New York dropped dead. Well, are they saying the same thing now? Oh, uh, pray, so. well, uh, pray for New York. Well, let's pray for New York. And what do we pray for also? Truth, truth justice, justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless.